Augmenters. I'm Julie. And I'm Jimmy. And we are here to augment your leadership through mentoring. Today is the second in a two-part series on how mentoring can support during professional transitions. We will have a fascinating discussion with John Rubin, a growth leader and operations master, and someone experiencing what a lot of people are today. There's an opportunity to change, but the timing is not set for you. For some of our listeners, John Rubin will need no introduction, as he is my longest friend. For others, John is known as a leader that cares about people first. Our discussion will be about how leaders and managers approach looking for new areas, new excitement, new problems, new challenges where they can have impact, especially when this looking, this search may not be a decision. It may not be a process that is entirely within your own timing. But don't worry, John will be giving me a hard time during this interview, just like when he bit me back in first grade. Seriously, my mother has a school note from the teacher. Thanks, John. Here we go. Hi, my name is John Rubin. I have been working in the professional services B2B field with technology-enabled SaaS businesses for the last 15 years, leading sales, product, and R&D departments. I'm someone that loves working with people and mm-hmm. finds great value in the organizations that we all build together and find great growth professionally as well as organizationally, business-wise through the people we work with. Today, we are joined by Jonathan Rubin, also known as John with no H. I feel really lucky to have John on today as he is my oldest friend and previous neighbor, though we're not neighbors anymore. And uh, yeah, this is going to be a fun conversation. So John, can you tell me a little bit about what you're doing right now, other than wondering why your son's not at aftercare? Right now, I do have the pleasure of speaking with both of you and longtime listener, first time caller. So um, appreciate being on today. But right now, yeah, yeah, you mentioned transition. I am in the midst of transition um, in that sense. I'm, I'm entering, I've had a long career and after 15 years at essentially one company, looking at other opportunities as I move forward. And so it's something that is really interesting and exciting as I think about my past, who I've worked with, what I've done, and how I want to apply that to the future in a, in a lot of different potential areas and a lot of opportunity out there, especially as the world evolves and turns. So it's something I spent a lot of time thinking about. Um, and, and transitions is something that I'm actively in in the current moment. John, one of our favorite questions to ask, and I'm actually yeah. really curious about this answer, is that many of our guests tell us that they have a mentor who believed in them before they believed in themselves. Do you have somebody that comes to mind for you and can you tell us a little bit maybe about what that person saw? Well, I don't know if I can say what they saw that's put in words in their mind or mouth. But yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I you know, and, and knowing what, what you both have built here and the conversations you're having, I've never felt when I think about formal mentorship, the way I define it, right? And definitions, I think, vary across all the conversations you have. I've never felt like I have that type of relationship with someone. Um, and that's not on purpose or not. It's not, it's not the, really the way I work or the way I communicate and, and engage with people. It has to be a two-way relationship, not just one person doing something. But to your point, in looking back in my career, I think there's always times you, I've been failed with self-doubt 
And, you know, am I, am I the right person to do this? Do I have the right perspective or the right decision? And a lot of the decision-making roles I've had for the last 10 years are those things that, you know, do I know what I'm doing or is it just sort of randomly am I here basically in that sense? And, you know, am I going to be found out soon? So if I think back to earlier part of my career, as we were building my company, there was our head of sales. I won't use names and stuff like that for the sake of this year, but someone that I was working for was working directly with in that kept giving me more and more responsibility. And where I believe mentorship fits and how I have built my teams and worked with people is really, I'd call it as basically as on the job training and not in a way of, you know, the classic of on the job. And if you can do the job, great. If not, you're out more trust and ability to work with someone and build their skills either interpersonally or professionally and see what they have themselves to grow. And this person, a couple of years into my career, you know, really just let me build a lot of things and do a lot of things, trusted me to make the right decisions. And if I could go back today, I'm sure I'd make all the decisions differently based on my experiences. But really how I look at that, how I've applied that going forward is how do I, how do you work with people to give them the opportunities to grow and build themselves and then give them time for that feedback. Um, and that's something that looking back and thinking about your question, Jimmy, is something that really is super valuable to me of if I hadn't had those couple of years with that person working with them and giving that, I wouldn't be here today in that exact same thing. So I think they were mentoring just in a way that maybe not be how I think about it personally. John, is that because you believe, you know, mentoring to be kind of the classic 4 p.m. on a Friday, come in my office and let's talk about life? Or, you know, what, why wouldn't that fit into how you believe or what mentoring is? Yeah. So for me personally, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I, I think anyone that's worked with me would not consider this. And I'm not a big like every personality test, but I remember early in my career, we did a, a Myers-Briggs like exercise for everyone in our startup company and everyone, we moved around the small hotel conference room into the different sections by all <laughs> yeah. those different things. And oh my gosh. Can I guess? <laughs> yeah, please. please. No. Do you remember? No. Um, INTP. Um, INTJ. Um, I should have got a J for John and Jimmy. Yeah, right. Yeah, that, that's how that works. That, the true Jimmy, you know that really well. Um, Redone. But I think I'm an introvert and not close to the, not close to the middle of that spectrum, right? I, it's, it's not just black or white. I am pretty introverted. I'm pretty happy work, like being quiet by myself, but Much in the, to in my the world that, people wouldn't say that they say, you know, you're involved in everything you're talking and, and you're working with people to use that as, as to answer your question is for me, I think I needed mentorship in the way of not about, Hey, let's talk about where your career's going or what's going on in your world or even networking, right? In some sense, and I'm not, I don't mean to put that in a bucket, right? Because you've had a variety of different guests on and your own perspectives on that. So, but the way I bucket it is sort of that formal or semi-informal relationship of, of thought and guidance. And I'm not someone to reach out and ask for that. Even if people would give that to me and people I work with, I don't like those conversations. That's where the introverted part of me comes in. And so I needed mentors, I guess, in the way to describe it to this, that understood that as great leaders in their own right and worked with me in the tactical or the strategic or operational parts of the job and guided me in that either as passive or active feedback, right? In that sense, I learn by doing and by working and by experiences. So that's where maybe I consider it slightly differently than someone that I would frankly reach out to and talk to about feedback and ideas. And that's more of a, I'm introverted. I, I feel nervous asking that question, honestly. 
I love that. I don't think we've really explored that, Jimmy. Have we around mentoring and introverts and asking for a mentor maybe somewhere along the way? I think we talked about book about being quiet, but I love that. And how John, in this time of a transition, knowing that, you know, sitting alone in the corner is probably not going to help you very much at this point, both career wise and probably, you know, just being able to reach out and connect with others. How are you getting past that to be able to reach out and yeah. have some more connection? It's a great question, Julie. And it's um, something that I had to think about almost immediately right in the sense, because I also get nervous, not just about the connections I've made. And Jimmy made it earlier, just talking about how do you connect with people? And it's something that I think I've seen the value of how people work or how I have worked right in that sense where I've been nervous. You know, I was nervous about reaching out to people that maybe I thought I should have been a better not just networker with, but that I should have stayed connected to across these years, right? You know, you use the COVID years and it's been three years since you saw anyone in person. Then, you know, life is crazy. I have a seven-year-old. So since that child was born, you know, it's like your life changes and your people go in different ways. And Julie, I was really nervous about reaching out, right? It's someone that I uh, use a different example, someone that I reach out to that I had a great conversation with and someone I was pretty close with and helped them earlier in their career. They worked with me under Maze. I was nervous about reaching out to them about just the update of my life and looking transparent about I'm in a transition, what's going on. And what I found is that those connections to people, while obviously I don't know what's gone in this person's life for the last five years, professionally or personally, the connections you made to someone and how you work with them and that that imprint essentially on each other, you pick up right away. It's sort of like riding a bike. And we had a, a not just a good first conversation. It's not about, is that person going to help me in my transition or not? That's not what I'm even referring to, but it helped. It's helped me sort of get over my fears a little bit of no one's going to want to talk to me because it's now when I need something right in that sense. And I think using, using the child again, using the golden rule, treat people how you want to be treated and connect with people in those times is I think in our professional worlds, especially as we think about this or building our careers is those things actually don't break, right? Not just it's, you remember it either, you know, subconsciously or consciously, but also, you know, your shared experiences you had before professionally still resonate today. Um, it's not, it's not lost. And I think that's, that's helped me, but it's still been, it's still been a challenge. And I think people, everybody's life is pretty crazy. Like, I don't know very many people who just, you know, chill out, come to work, yeah. leave, you know, I think every, and has plenty of time to like chat with others. I think everybody feels that pinch and time also flies. So you could have not talked to somebody 10 years ago and you're like, oh, that feels like, you know, five minutes ago. We love specifics around yeah. here. So like, what kind of language did you even use in that initial reach back out to that person? Like, what did you actually say? Cause I think people feel that like, what do I actually just like, what do I say? Yeah, it's <laughs> staring at the screen thing. You know, the hardest thing I used to tell people on my marketing team was everyone thinks marketing is easy because they see the end copy and they have edits. The hardest part is when you are trying to write the marketing copy to begin, right? And no one values that until you have to be in that role. And stare and felt the same thing staring at a screen, a blank email with the person's email, and they're going, now what? So I am someone, I've also, when we think about treating people in relationships, I'm someone that's very transparent and direct. So instead of going in a long diatribe, I wrote a long diatribe, right? The first one of updates and this is what's going on and everything else is saying, hey, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. How's the family? How's life? I would love to connect as soon as possible, you know, in some cases, talk and talk about what's going on in my life, basically, um, in that way. And then translating that also where I was feeling uncomfortable is not just in someone, most people will reply and say, great, let's talk, right? In some sense, and they'll give you a time or two. But also in that conversation, I felt it really important to be transparent, even of why I'm reaching out, right? I didn't want it to be, oh, I'm just, 
I decided to turn a new leaf and can you know reconnect with everyone in my life because you know of some some you know some retreat I went on and saw near death life. near death experience. Yeah, exactly, stuff like that, and said, you know, like I want to know what's going on. I I really value who you are and what's going on in your life, but transparently, there's a reason why I reached out today, um, and not looking for an answer from that person or help, but I want to let you know what's going on in my life, and because of what we've done in the past and what you do today. I'm interested in talking about my transition and your ideas. And there's some, a different example of not this person, but someone I'm actually more in touch with recently, who, but I don't know that well relative to some of these other people. I wouldn't consider a mentor, honestly, anyway, but reaching out to going in their profession, what would, you know, how am I, th- am I thinking about this correctly, right? How should I approach these conversations? Because they're someone in a role that talks to a lot of people in these situations and conversations. So using them sort of actively in the moment of going, I'm, I'm really using you for advice. And frankly, people people have been really open and willing to provide that, which I think reflects on the relationships we have in that sense. And also that people are willing to help out, right? If you're If you are being not just transparent, but honest and vulnerable and open, it's much easier than trying to figure out what the angles are and what someone's looking for and stuff like that. So I've taken that all the way through so far, at least. John, what I'm hearing ringing in my ears is that you've been pretty intentional about each person you've reached out to. Like you haven't just, you know, casually started, you know, flipping emails and, you know, making like old jokes that people might not, not even remember. Yeah. So when you're saying you're being clear, like at the jump on these initial emails, I think that can make a lot of sense and connect to our audiences. Mm-hmm. All right. Can you tell me a little bit about how you've even thought up some of the questions that you just mentioned, such as like, hey, in this industry, am I going about this X, Y, Z? Like, like, like really like even like simple how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich directions. Like how are you coming up with some of these questions so that the people you're talking to feel valued and really enjoy the conversation because they respect you and therefore are happy to be asked yeah. for help. So yeah, I'll use this going back. I think this is one of the things I, that I, I, um, I didn't get an email to help. Me neither. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Just I actually, I mean, if we're going to have this and if this gets in the podcast, uh, I believe I called you the same day. Um, so that's fine. Um, um, it was. You know, <laughs> um, and Jimmy was like, well, what's in this for me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the point is the way, Jimmy, I think it's, it's, a, it's a great question. And the way Thank I've you. thought about it is I've always felt that an organization is as valuable as its people. Doesn't matter what your product, you know, certain products are more productized or commoditized or specific to, you know, a kiosk, like an ATM kiosk than another one that's professional services, but it's all about the people that you're working with and valuing that. One thing that's the hardest part for businesses to do, it doesn't matter your size, is bringing great people and hire great people. And one thing I, I really wanted to bring to my organization always was not just hiring great people, having a great recruiting process and finding great people and interview process, but also valuing the person the moment they come in. And it doesn't matter their stage being a senior leader or someone that just came out of school. And we were a global business. So we were hiring people in Singapore, in China, in the UK, in the US, all over. And believing that everyone comes from a unique background professionally and personally. And that that person can have ideas or approaches that can help your business grow. And that can be top line growth, bottom line growth. It can just be sort of the company growth of how the company feels and evolves as its own entity. And so... I really believe in everyone individually having a perspective that can be valued, right? It doesn't mean that everyone is valued, right? Everyone wants to be the, especially in a business, everyone everyone wants compromise to be their own 
their own idea. So compromise is everyone else agreeing with them. It's not actually compromising sometimes. And hmm. but in this I case, I don't know what you're talking. About. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Agree with me. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. it's Jimmy's conversation with himself, um, and that's for many of his companies. Um, sometimes it goes well. Yeah, but in these conversations, Jimmy, I think you can apply that when you talk about having someone feel valued in that conversation while you're reaching out to them. And I was selective about that list. I, I'm looking at the list next to me right now. It's not everyone I've ever worked with because one, I don't want to just be talking to everyone and getting all these different inputs for myself, but also there are different valued inputs that I value, but everyone I talk to, I'm reaching out to them for a reason. So I'm asking them knowing what their background is and what the profession is questions about what they think, how I'm approaching things, how they think I should be doing asking, do you think that's correct? Do you think that's something I should be doing? Where do you see that? And, and so, for example, I'll use two different specific examples to Julie's point of getting specific here. Talking to someone who hires a lot of people or recruits a lot of people, right, in this sense, not in my not where I'm going in my world or anything else, but getting advice from and saying, I want to talk to you about how do you think I'm a, I'm a senior leader? I have specific skills. How do you think I use my connections and what's open in the job market and everything else to really understand how do you get your foot in the door, right? What is the best ways using people to do and what are the different ways? Because there's probably not one way. Everyone gets their foot in the door in different ways and understanding their perspective to then someone else who works with a lot of businesses or that are businesses that I'm interested in and industries I'm interested in, roles I'm interested in saying, really, what do you need to know about me? And this is someone I didn't know before this conversation. What do you need to know about me so that if and when an opportunity passes across your desk, you're not just hiring me. That's not what I'm asking for, but that you think about me, right? Because I think the way I'm going to find a role that fits well for myself, and I'm fortunate enough where I can look for a role and take time, but in a role that's good for me, that you think about that and that we're able to have a mutual conversation because really any role doesn't matter if it's entry level to a senior role, you want it to be as mutually beneficial as possible to the employee employer. And so being transparent in the question of why you're talking to them, Jimmy, to sort of sum it up, Mm-hmm. And just asking them, people really are willing, I have found so far, to give their unfiltered advice on how to approach it. And then it's my job and only my job in the situation I'm in to think about what works for me, right? So everyone's going to have different inputs. And then how do I make that into a soup that tastes good versus a soup that tastes bad, right, in some sense? And that's and that's something that has to work for also my approach. So when I have the conversations with an employer, if that's the route I'm going, that it's it's consistent in my story. It's in my own voice. It's not in someone else's voice. I love that. And the other thing I have, my experience has been people know why you're reaching out. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Generally, you almost don't have to say anything. You know, if there's somebody that you haven't heard from a bit of time, they reach out saying, hey, you know, I'm in a bit of a transition. I'd love to talk. You're already thinking about, okay, you know, this person, their skills, what have you, like, what am I going to say when I get on the phone with them? So hopefully they've already kind of thought and context of you, what they could imagine for you. But I really love what you're saying, John. I think it's really important that you're really asking them for their perspective and their advice versus launching into why you would be, why, you know, versus a pitch for you and a pitch for why they should help you versus asking some really good questions, which I think goes back to all mentoring really is, at least initially is asking those great questions. So that's a great place to start. Yeah. I appreciate that. And I'd say it's the same thing, you know, in it's at the end of the day in a transition, right? You're selling yourself at the end of the day, right? And anyone that's looking, you know, that's listening to this, that's looking to change jobs or think about different careers, you're going to have to sell yourself at some point. 
but I have found the best sales, not just for people in, in transitions, but in any sort of sales job is at the end of the day, you are going to sell the service, the product or anything else, but it's about making that connection. And no one's going to, most people will not buy something just because you made a great pitch in your own eyes. People are smart. They're going to see that value and you just want to be in that, that hoop when they see that value, right? In that sense, you want to be in the ring of that conversation. And so, you know, it's something that it's important, I guess, to bring it back to the relationships and connections you have and thinking about this is to that people have you in mind so that those conversations, when they do come up, um, you are thought of. And that's, and that's the key, right? So, you know, don't, I'm not trying to sell myself short, but I'm also not saying how come, how come you haven't thought about me ahead of this conversation or have something for me today? Because that's not how this works. I'm curious to hear how you're approaching conversations that maybe aren't with people you have already had a relationship with. So no matter what's going to happen here in this journey between now and you name the time period, something new is going to happen. And mm -hmm. as an introvert, maybe even as uh, somebody who people would say doesn't love change, how do you think about approaching or how are you approaching doing some new things at this time, whether that's just like your own internal process or like, actually like, what are you doing? You know, like, do you have new bike routes that you're doing? Are you having a different kind of egg for breakfast? What's going down? Yeah. So the interesting part to bring it to introvert is actually, um, uh, I've had you know, many conversations with people that I don't, I don't know, right. In that sense, I've been connected to either sort of very clearly of why, or someone just saying, I know this person, you should speak type stuff, you know, that kind of stuff, which is great, right? It's all great. You should consider everything awesome. But um, <laughs> that doesn't sound like your standard. No, 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 you no, sound no, like yeah, you're convincing it, yourself. No, 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 but no, everything is, and it, it, there's different ones, right? You want to be teed up the most, but anything anyone helps you with, if you to bring it back to, you know, different levels of mentoring is that is all valuable, right? In some sense. And some is more valuable than other. That's not, that's, it's, it's, you could think about, you know, different versions of cars, right? Ones are more valuable than others. It's okay that that exists. But the, the point is, Jimmy, I think actually I'm trying to approach every conversation the same. And not about how much do I know someone or not. And obviously, if I don't know someone, I'm, I'm going to do a little more research on them, do my own homework and be prepared. I think it's really important to be prepared if you are building a new relationship to come a little old school, right? Writing it down on pen and paper, have a couple of questions, understand their background, know the company they work at or what they do. Some of their, because I think that that helps establish relationship because to get to the point is I'm only someone that can talk one way in some sense, right? I know who I am and I know myself. And so being able to talk to someone for the first time and have a very similar conversation about what's going on and what they're doing and, and how that may relate to me as the same one I've known for 15 years and work closely with is actually how I'm approaching that, right, in some sense. So it's because I don't know in a case of transitioning or building a connection, especially with uh, Julie mentioned how busy we all are, right, and how much time flies, is doing a casual intro with someone and not making an impression and not understanding why they spoke to you. We all have thousands of conversations a day, especially when we're working. And those are hard connections to forge and keep, especially if it's virtually. And then it's something that is, oh yeah, I spoke to someone a couple of weeks ago. In that sense, it's hard to remember. So I'm jumping to the chase basically and thinking about potentially how those relationships blossom either outside of separate of career transition other stuff, but that can be a fruitful relationship just separately anyway, right? In some sense, there's no I don't, you don't need to have to work with someone or be in the same field or industry to have that fruitful professional connection that helps guide you in your future. Who knows where that comes from? So, you know, in that, in that sense, so that's, that's how I'm approaching those and trying to be the same as someone I've known. John, you, you said one thing that really struck me 
you said, well, I'm approaching all these conversations this way because I know who I am. When was the first time you said that to yourself? Because without being able to say something like that, it's really hard to be consistent. It's hard to even have kind of like a direction in some of these discussions. I don't know if I can point to an exact moment. And it does take time and different people in different. Were you bowling and you just got a strike? Who do you think you Um, are? (laughs) Exactly. Or, Or a great golf drive or something and figured it all out. I think for me... And I think people find it different ways. Again, this comes down to bring it back to Myers-Briggs. I'm not a big Myers-Briggs person. This came up. (laughs) Myers-Briggs hiring or something? This is going to be good. It's going to be a good way to get some engagement on this when it's like the the Myers-Briggs test and and mentoring together at last. This um, episode brought to you by. Yeah, exactly. Uh, No free ads. For me, it came after a long time of feeling, and we're talking about this a little bit before, and I know you had a podcast recently. I I listened to a little bit of, um, I forget the person's name, but I was talking about imposter syndrome in that sense. Um, and actually someone I spoke to today, even about my own self was saying how they, who had a very, has had a very successful career. They're saying they had, there were times in their career leading businesses that they felt like what, what would be next is nothing. Nothing will happen. Like they've sort of exhausted their sort of opportunity at a very early age and career stage. For me, it took a lot of time doing the job and doing the jobs I've done and being successful, not for myself, but seeing the business continue to evolve and grow to feel the confidence that something that I feel like is in my gut more than even in my brain. I, I describe that to my own people I've worked with is a lot of decisions end up being gut decisions, not saying they're random, but it's something that all of a sudden you trust your instincts and what you've seen in the past. And you're able to amalgamate that and, and go forward is, and that's something that came, you know, over time for me, just of experience of saying, you know, you got here based on some of these decisions you made as a young person, not knowing what I was doing, the company I was with, I describe it. I thought it was when I first worked, started working there, early, early career stages, I did not realize what it was at all. I did not ask any of the right questions in the interview. Like I had no concept of what was happening, but I ended up getting there and it ended up being the right thing for me, which is something that's not just random in the world. It's not just about fate or destiny, but it's something that told me like, this is the right place to go. And so getting used to that and frankly, to come back to transitions, to use use another as specifically I can get, there was a time years and years ago now, I almost left my business. I was. I had another opportunity that came across my plate, and I thought about taking it. And I got really, really close, really, really, really close to taking it. And I pulled it back because after days of agony, the one thing that kept coming back to me is it didn't feel right. Not the other opportunity, but leaving at this point. And I kept saying um, to myself and a couple others, it didn't feel like my job was completed yet. Not my to-do list, but my job basically at my business. And that was just my gut telling me there's no there's no analytical model or anything else that goes into that. And all my job is basically analytical models. So it was the exact opposite. But I think that is a moment that I have reflected on, not currently in this transition, but just in general about you've got to a certain point in your life, continue to trust in who you are and not just good things will work out. That's not the case. You have to work hard and there's a lot of luck that gets involved and, and talk about connections and everything else. But it's something that trust yourself more than others. You know, you know yourself more than anyone else can, right? That's just natural. And once you start to do more of that, you know, it, it does help you make decisions in either one-on-one conversations or in sort of bigger strategic discussions. And the consistency, John, like you're saying, I think, you know, there is that, and I love that. That is so important and that is so hard to teach. I think that is what mentors bring to us. And even what we bring to ourselves is that really deep understanding of yourself and your value and then being able to bring it into these conversations. And then the like consistency and evolution of just like keep having conversations all the time. I'd love to hear, have you had any that have gone really bad? where you've like been on the phone and you're like, oh, this is not going well. And like, how did you extract yourself from that? 
situation? Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't say not going well, where it's like, you know, we've had conversations. I, yeah, I've had many in my career, and I'm sure both of you have, where it's like, right now, this conversation is going poorly, right? It could be e- either with an employee or a contractor or a client. And it's one that's like, this is, you already know it, right? That this is, we should just, if it was socially socially acceptable, we should just sort of say goodbye and move on. Like this isn't going to work. And you end up going longer because you have to sort of let it peter out. Nothing like that. But one of the earlier conversations I had, Julie, as I started thinking about this transition, was a great a great person to talk to and really, really interesting, could present a lot of different opportunity, but it hasn't gone anywhere. And when I reflect on that, it's not because I expect anyone to do anything for me in that sense. But it was exactly, it was a surface level conversation. It was, hi, nice to meet you. This is who I am. This is who you are. Let's stay in touch, right? Like that's essentially it. So good, good discussion, all those things, some actually some commonalities in our personal life. So it's not just sort of completely, you know, random, but nothing, nothing really follow up in there. And I think that is on, it's not on that personal, that person took time out of their day to speak to me. And that's not on me where I made a mistake, but there are certain conversations that as fruitful as they could be or the potential that could come from it, you're not going to hit home runs every time or make a connection that fits or that person that day, or I could have been distracted, right? In different ways, just, you know, subconsciously even in that sense. And so it's not taking each bad conversation or negative one or one didn't result in the outcome maybe that you love to have as a retrospective on what am I doing wrong or what's happening. It's, I would describe it to my team, you know, in my career, in, in this using a sales pipeline discussion, it's all about conversion rate. And people would get frustrated about not selling something. But there's a reason why companies use conversion rate as a leading KPI. It's because you do not expect to sell everything. Otherwise, conversion rate wouldn't be a metric if it was just, if everything was 100%, you wouldn't expect it. And when you break it down, depending on your industry, what you're selling, a lot of times a 20, 25% conversion rate is good and actually is a really sustainable, healthy business. You have to look at that same, I think I have to look at that the same way in the way we think about this as a pipeline, which is that means only one every four conversations should really be super fruitful. And there's different ones that have a longer tail and shorter tail, but that's okay. That's It's all part of the world we live in and accepting that and not being too critical on yourself or getting down is also sort of that personal side of keeping yourself not just up mentally, but going, yeah, just keep moving, keep going forward. This is okay, you know, in that sense, so. If your seven-year-old was selling lemonade and only had a 25% conversion rate, would you give a thumbs up or thumbs down? Depends on the sales cycle and average order value. And how much lemonade he drinks himself while he's waiting for his sales conversions. Yeah, or spills, frankly. it's probably There's probably, and Jimmy, you know this more than uh, more than myself in the CPG space, but that's sort of the wasted product KPI or whatever else. Like that, that part probably kills the gross margin. Uh, there's, there's a lot of shrink happening, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I want to ask you this question. What are you going to change right now, and maybe you've already started making this change, but what have you changed right now thinking about mentoring, whatever the conversations are you're having about the transition, but like, has there been one thing you're like, oh, I should switch this. Something wasn't working. And and what was the trigger for you to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to approach this a little differently. I actually, I have had that, those thoughts in that sense and not about, you know, again, I think a lot of us think about things naturally as what's the out, the outcome tells you what the past was, right? So if the outcome's positive, then I did, then everything that was the process together, the outcome was correct. Or if it, the outcome was negative, everything was wrong. And how do we switch that? So I think regardless of where, and I am fortunate again, to have different opportunities and different people that are supporting me in this process that was going to open parts of my world from 15 years ago that didn't exist as even career opportunities then, right? Not just experience wise, but the types of careers you can go into nowadays. I think the thing that is going to be 
important for me to do and this is the strategic side of the of the tactical conversation we had about how do you reach out to someone how do you be direct is i don't expect myself to be someone that's now putting in all these calls to all these people all these time and everything checking in and doing all these things i'm not going to jump to that type of personality that's not me and also again with kids and life and stuff you don't have that time and it's important to have that life balance but i think what's important that i'm going to do that i'm going to try to do differently again it, it, how that evolves and how that goes is really making sure i've always thought about with the people i work with in my business as being uh, available to them all the times even and emotionally available to them a lot of the work we did in problem solving was about having that emotional intelligence with them of just not solving their problem but hearing their problem hearing their idea and talking about it and just validating that is an articulate point that is good i might not do anything with that being transparent and direct but you know like that's good thank you for the discussion basically and I think I need to apply a little bit more of that to the connections I have that aren't directly in my work sphere. So when wherever I enter again, right in that sense, these connections I'm making today or in the in this last few weeks, but also just in general, people I've worked with in the past that move on to different careers, right in that sense, different jobs, and being available not just to be the the you know in a lot of cases the, the boss or the director to them, but also just being available and hearing from them and and, and emoting with them. On what's going on i think that's important to apply for me not just with the current people i work with but the people that i've worked with and made connections with in the past because I, I like doing i like doing that not as a value add to them but as a value add to me it really helps me evolve and grow and i think i need to do more of that not just with the people that i'm currently working with in my little bubble i love that and i think that's why we're here and i think just making mentoring or having those conversations showing up for other people just part of a habit of your like what you do, your daily life in and out. And I'm sure with this experience, John, what's really cool and exciting is if you spent another 10 years doing the same thing you were doing, you would not have the opportunity to take a pause and to get to reconnect with all these people. And you're impacting them in these conversations in ways you have no idea about. You wouldn't even guess. So while I'm sure so much of it feels like what the like so awful that this happened but yeah. then at the same time i'm sure later it will look back with so many good outcomes and i can only dream that your next gig will be really phenomenal and make a huge yeah. impact no matter what it is thank you for that i agree actually julia a lot it's it's something that is a valuable moment and i'll reiterate the point of one thing that when i moved to the company i was at for the last 15 years and as we evolved and grew it one thing I was like, people ask me why I stayed that long, right? To the point of like, when do you enter and stuff like that? And why do you stay? And it was actually one of the reasons was one of the reasons I started there is I wanted to learn something new. And I was 24 at that time. That sounded like a good interview answer. It's like, what are the three reasons? Some about the business, some about me. It's a good, good, quick answer. Even though I will say in my first interview, I'll give the first name, uh, who someone I haven't connected with in a very long time and not part of this process, but Peter gave me the great thing. I give all these great answers and he holds up a pencil and says, sell me this pencil. And that was basically his big interview question. I don't think I answered it correctly, but still a great connection, great person. But, but the point is I wanted to learn something. And I think what you find in these conversations, this opportunity that I have today in this sense and talking to these people in different ways than I would if I was working and doing the job and being busy and all these other things is you can learn a lot from people every day. And I think you know what I really value in organizations and in people that you work with or in products or industries or ideas is constantly being able to learn something. And even if you've been in the same business for 15 years and you've worked with the same people for 15 years, in some of the cases, some of our executive leadership team, we've been working together for eight, 10 years, is 
if you can constantly learn something from someone and be challenged and then incorporate that, not necessarily into your day-to-day, but into your long-term thinking, that is super valuable. And I'm finding that experience today and I don't want to lose that um, because that is something that I wouldn't get the opportunity to when I'm work- when you're working 40, 50, 60 hours a week. John, we're going to transition a little bit towards the yeah. end of our conversation. I like to do a rapid fire word association. So I'm going to ask you, and since you're such a strong repeat listener, uh, you'll know where these words are going. So the first word I'll ask you is, and this is a verbal Rorschach test, so don't take a lot of time on this. I say mentor. What would you say? Connection. How about the word mentee? Student. All right. What if I said the word sponsor? Support. And lastly, what if I say coach? Guidance. Okay. If I was going to ask, so another thing we like to do is ask about how someone might define the word mentoring, but through a different lens. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you're familiar with the TV show, Dora the Explorer. And I'd like you to tell me how you think Dora would define mentoring. I don't know the show besides the name. So that's a, that's a, that's a. Okay. So you got to start. All right. If we want to talk about Blue, if we don't talk about Bluey, um, that's a different story, but um, I, I don't know about Dora, but I think, you know, the way I. Oh, I'm so close. I thought I thought I had something good there. No, sorry. Um, too deep I, in the Paw Patrol. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I think, I think when I think about, you know, I think where I even hesitate in your, in your word association of mentor or mentee, right, in this sense is, and again, I, I, I don't know if I've always thought about this. Maybe I'm not, maybe I'm thinking too traditionally about the definitions in my own head, which makes me feel like I'm a non-traditionalist basically, but that's my own head doing both of the sides of the equation. The way I think about it is, you know, mentoring or mentee in the sense is, is symbiotic relationship. So to use something, uh, to use a children's show, right, to relate to people and parents today are not Dora, they're Bluey. So if you're a parent and you're listening, you definitely watch Bluey. But the way it works is it's a family unit and they're all supporting and guiding each other and so while there's a young child and the dad, the young child in many of the episodes is teaching the dad something, right? And sometimes that's through chaos, right? In that sense of, you know, of what the child's doing in the five minute episode. But at the same time, I think, I think, I think it's about, it's about a symbiotic relationship of working together. I don't mean work as in professional work. I mean, working together about whatever your discussion or topics are, understanding each other and supporting that even if it's just a you know even julie what you said just to me a minute ago right is some sense of you know i'm sure you'll find something that's gonna be great and rewarding and all those things like that is a support system that exists and those little statements little words not just to pump someone up but to really have you know symbiotic relation but how do you work together and how do you feed off each other is i think how i see it um in that sense i don't know if i answered the question perfectly but i got off tangent thinking about kid shows and I'm not thinking about like rhinos and the flies that follow behind them, the symbiotic relationships. Cool. Well, <laughs> is that for a transition? I thought, I thought, Jimmy, I thought you were about to do an Ace Ventura 2 reference when I was like, this is not going to go well. Um, no, no, that gets censored real quick. That is slight, slightly different, a lot of different noises there compared to the symbiosis I was speaking of. <laughs> a natural symbiosis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, well, John, this has been wonderful. John, I send you the best of luck and I cannot wait to have you back on to tell the whole story of how this. Oh yeah. This came together. I appreciate, I appreciate your guys' time and what you are doing here with Augmenters. Uh, thanks John. Jimmy, it's a lot to get through. 
two great episodes, so much good um, vulnerability, sharing really authentically about what you're standing in front of this opportunity. You don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know. You know there's something out there. You just don't know what. You need help on the path. I feel like I got so much from both of these conversations. Augmenters augmenting our show. The podcast is coming up. It's a two-part series. I think it was concise and honestly, like it took a little more out of me than I was expecting. Like I was pretty impressed with how comfortable and real both Winston and John were able to be talking with us about a topic that has been taboo for a long time. I think a lot of people feel embarrassed or they feel like there's something that's like not working that they're doing that either they're in the situation where they're having a job transition or they're like not sort of landing that first job right after graduation. Whereas we know that's the case for like the vast majority of new graduates. So I think being able to talk really honestly about it is super helpful and like some really great tips. I feel like when I think about John's interview, especially the thing that really stuck with me was he's a mid-career professional he has had a lot of people that he had worked with, you know, sort of in the past, but he's been at one organization for a really long time. You have these connections with people. You haven't talked to them in a while, right? Because you're like, mm-hmm. we're colleagues, you're doing stuff together. Time passes, you have kids. And then how do you rekindle those connections? Is it okay to reach out to somebody you haven't talked to in 10 years and say, hey, I'd love to catch up. Ooh, that feels like almost a burn right inside of like, oh, but yeah, that person would be like super excited to talk to you. There's probably stuff going on with them. And like, just take that chance and, and connect. That really stuck with me. And what stuck with me was something Winston said, which is about getting the strength to be ready for that reach out 10 years in the past. So Winston said, you know, how do you get prepared for some of this dis- discomfort? He just keeps a list of what you're good at. The cognitive distortion list, you know, dropping big words, you know, he's got that master's degree. So, you know, having that positive list, I could totally see that as a way that honestly, I should probably start doing that now for when I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to write this email. Oh, yeah, this call is going to be rough. Just look down and be like, you know what? I can still hit foul shots with the best of them. You know, I got a great accuracy. I could give you lots to put on your little list next year. <laughs> next year posted on your computer. But it is really helpful. It's sort of that's like that moment to be able to remind yourself you have tons to offer, tons to offer. And that also it just kind of like things come when they're supposed to come, which I think is probably the hardest piece yep. is really having that patience and that uh, resilience, right? To just keep showing up and keep trying, keep reaching out, keep calling, keep having connection, keep having conversations and just really trying not to give up. And also how John was talking about connecting better with others. He wasn't just saying, okay, every 10 years, go out and talk to people. He was actually reflexively saying, I'm going to try to be getting better at connecting with others going forward because of how well this process has gone for me. I'm not going to go 10 years again talking to that person because I entered those conversations just saying hello and not having an ask, just giving about myself, giving about John about you know, what he was, what ex- what he's experiencing, and just giving without any take was such a positive experience for him. John then wants to reconnect, and I think that shows we all have this opportunity for growth. And why not connect better with others by reaching out more often? And two, you know, being ready to grow to your potential. 
by getting comfortable with discomfort. Why did John not reach out for some of those people for 10 years? Probably because he either didn't have time to give. He didn't know how the conversation was going to go. I mean, who knows? What, why do you think? Because he was uncomfortable, right? It's like scary because you're like, what if? What if they don't want to talk to me? What if they think I'm a jerk because I haven't reached out or there's things that gone on with them? We haven't talked. And yeah, but it's people always, not always, but people often are like really happy to hear from you and to have a really authentic conversation. We tell ourselves a lot of stories. The stories we tell ourselves. And honestly, Julie, most humans like to help other humans. It is a very satisfying, enriching experience. But as you said, yeah, we have the self-talk that might not be as strong. And as Winston put it, what I heard from Winston was, if you can ask for and truly listen to honest reflections on you and the feedback others give you, you can get comfortable with that discomfort. You can get comfortable with giving yourself dirt, looking in the mirror, and receiving dirt from others. The magic is in the dirt. Everything we know grows from dirt. You know, we, we like like you need to. We we all come from dirt. So you know, getting into you know the the agricultural heart of Winston, I, I think it's so important to get comfortable with discomfort. You know, the magic is in the dirt. The magic is in the dirt, <laughs> only spoken as an agriculture and nutrition person. Um, the magic is definitely in the dirt. And it's in, yeah, just being really honest with ourselves too. And the, like, yeah, we're just humans humaning. Like we're all just trying our best. And if there's chances that we can show up for each other and try to help each other, great. And if somebody doesn't have time, they're not interested, they don't write back, no, no sweat. No sweat. You just move on to the next thing. There's no you know, no harm, no foul. So I appreciated hearing both how Winston and John were just able to take those chances and have those conversations. So yeah, it's exciting. And what a wonderful way to tie into our principles in this two-part series. I, I wish, Julie, that we could say that we were very intentional and we had this all planned out. But it, it just so happened that every episode, Augmenters talks about setting your mentoring vision. It is literally ground zero it is our jump off for how you are going to engage in mentoring relationships for the rest of your life. And I thought John did a wonderful job talking about how to explore, to gain experiences, and then reach back out. And Julie, what did you tell me about Winston? What principle? Did you I mean, Winston was all about the pitch, right? Winston was all about the pitch. And the pitch is really where we dig into like the nuts and bolts of how you have this outreach. What do you actually do? What do you say? What If you go back through our episodes, we have some really great deep how-tos with actual mm-hmm. words to use. Uh, and Winston really added to that. Um, he was, he augmented, Winston really augmented our content on this and helped us with some new ideas on how to reach out and pitch. So he just hit a home run right into our principles in baseball season. So remember y'all, step one, augmenter's principle, the initial is set your mentoring vision. Principle two, as espoused by John, is get out there and explore. Principle three is the pitch. If you take those three principles of augmenting, you are going to be well on your way to a positive change in your life, regardless of what that change is going to be. Stay tuned. You're on your way. You're on your way to our next episode, which is going to be a wonderful Discussion with Troy Sandage. Hashtag I digress. We always digress.
<laughs> but never has it been more appropriate for me to say, I digress. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Augmenters out. Yeah. Wow, you've made it this far, and we thank you. Hopefully, you enjoyed our episode and discovered new ways to bring more authentic connection into your mentoring relationships. Want to tell them more, Jimmy? Be an Augmenter with us. Visit our website for the best interactive mentoring content at augmenters.us. Share our podcast with someone you care about. Like and subscribe. And yes, really, you following our show and writing a review, it's a big deal. Your actions provide us with the resources to continue our undefeated, unencumbered, prize-winning productions. We welcome questions and suggestions via email, hi at augmenters.us, or on social with our handle at augmentershq. We are most active and available on LinkedIn and YouTube. Shout out an earnest thank you to our intrepid producer, Erlen Cato. We appreciate you. Augmenters out. See ya. Thank you.